我是台湾人，台湾人，台湾人。Welcome to Taiwan Ren, where you'll hear stories of Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates. I'm your host Cindy, and today we're sitting with Bo Han in his home studio in LA. Bo is a musician by night, lawyer by day. We talked to Bo about his journey from winning a singing competition to becoming an independent artist, his musical influences from Taiwan, and what it takes to survive in today's music industry as an Asian American performer. Let's get into it. Hi, Bo. Tell us about yourself and your connection to Taiwan. Hi, my name is Bo Han, and I'm Taiwanese, born and raised. Actually, I was in Taiwan until I was about 14 years old. Then I moved out, just like kind of any other immigrant story. Like mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not not the ones from our parents' generation, but more like our parents have made enough money to send me mm-hmm. um, overseas for a better education, a better life, and that's that's where I am. I'm the privileged little kid that got sent overseas. Where did you go exactly?、Um, I first went up to Canada, and、um, <laughs> that's why I asked you.、Yeah. Like, I want to do a shout out to Canada. Yeah, went to、um, went to the school on on Vancouver Island, and it's this like private boarding school.、Mm-hmm. It's like I describe it as、um, Harry Potter, but without the magic. So we、oh, were、no. separated into houses,、okay. yeah, and、um, had uniforms and all. Um, what was life for you at that time? The teenager parachute kid. Yeah,、parents. I was. Yeah, exactly what you would define as a parachute kid.、Um, I spent my formative quote unquote years there, and、um, it was a boarding school. So our teachers kind of took over as our parents, and、um, it was. I don't know. I can't speak for other parachute kids. They、mm-hmm. might be like, "Oh my god, I miss home" or whatnot. But for me, it was just like. Freedom, and not <laughs> not that I was ever in a rebellious phase. Yeah,、um, I guess I was just one who never missed home.、Um, I, I always have a good relationship with my mom,、uh, but、mm-hmm. we don't have to chat every day. And、mm. um, you know, and it's Vancouver. You can get Taiwanese stuff anywhere. So right, yeah. So almost the best of both worlds for you, and、yeah. you are quite、yeah. independent. Yeah.、Um, so where are you now? I am in Los Angeles, California. Um, so I kind of moved down here in college, thinking I would do music full time.、Um, so, like everyone else in the world, I moved to LA, and so here I am now. Like everyone else, yeah, like everyone, everyone else. wants to. <laughs> like, Not everyone, everyone gets you. <laughs> right? Yeah.、Um, what do you do? <sighs> That's a、uh, interesting question. So I am an attorney during. I guess "quote unquote" normal work hours, and I'm a musician、mm-hmm. um, outside of that, basically. And a little secret is I also kind of work on my music at work secretly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I bring my laptop, and whenever it's downtime, I just work on that. It's always been my passion. Yeah.、Um, unfortunately, the music industry, as you all know, makes zero money、uh-huh. unless you are like the one percent who kind of made it and broke it through the top. Um, so, knowing that, I kind of Taiwanese mentality, I guess. I'm like, well, I gotta, you know, feed the mom and feed me and everyone else. So, the lawyer job. <laughs> Hence the lawyer job,、yeah. of course.、Um, how did your love or passion for music start? I don't really like to say this because I think everything is like trainable and it's like this nurture versus nature thing. But I think I was born with a little bit of like 
talent. So oh, it's always so, like a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, so I always grew up like singing. My mom and dad are also great singers. And they mm. always played music for me at home. Yeah. My, my sister is a music teacher, older sister. Mm. And she's always playing piano, violin, and singing. So I just kind of was baked in the environment. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, if, like every Taiwanese person, we are all avid karaoke ears. Yes. So we went. I uh, am. Yeah, see? Thank you. That's how I learned Mandarin. Oh, Jay Chow. Really? Thank you, Jay Chow. Thank you, Jay Chow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we would go karaoke. And, like, th- to this day, I always say, like, if you go singing, if you took a Taiwanese person to a singing lesson, here she'd be, like, at least a six or a seven. Mm. And then you take any other person. Like, so Taiwanese and Filipino people, they can, because they grew up karaoke. If you took mm-hmm. any other person, like, they wouldn't be able to sing just because I think like the environment of like karaoke all the time really kind of brings yeah. us out. Yeah. It's a productive pastime. It's a product, somewhat productive <laughs> pastime. And you get to at least like train in a craft. Not that singing mm-hmm. is so useful. Like it's not going to save the world, but it does heal the world. And, um, okay. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> feel free to sing through this whole thing. <laughs> we can do yeah. I'll that. just wrap the one. Um, and, I'm curious um, to know more about your time in the idol competition. So okay. One, how did you get into it? And tell us about the whole thing. Thanks. So um, there is a TV channel called Dongsen, and mm. they do a show. And nowadays, they changed the name nowadays to Top Star or something, but mm. back in the day, it was called Xinan Wang, and, you know, like for new people who wanted to break into the entertainment industry as a singer. Right. And so I actually had always been kind of against reality shows and just like on principle. <laughs> As someone who lives in LA. <laughs> right. Um, because especially seeing these shows, because think, think about this. They're uh-huh. the only shows who don't have to pay their actors and performers. <gasps> it's kind of just oh. free labor and you just stick a camera on them and it's a show. But you could win a million dollars. You could. <laughs> you could. Right. And that, let me get back to that because um, that was Ooh, the promise reward. Saucy. Was, yeah. So, anywho, back in 2012, I think, was the year um, my sister convinced me. She actually signed me up, like, without my knowledge. She's like, oh, yeah, you're already signed up. Just come. Come to this thing. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just sing. She's like, yeah, yeah, just do it. This so, is a Hillary Duff movie, by the way. Same plot. Really? Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> I, I am Hillary Duff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I just kind of sang and made it through and, long story short, won the thing. Yay. Now to the saucy part is I'm a lawyer. And back then I was already a lawyer. And, oh. you know, I should have read the fine print. The fine print oh. said you have a chance of not that you will be awarded a contract with Sony Music. Oh, my it God. Is, you have an opportunity to meet with the a execs of Sony Music in China or in oh. Taiwan. Um, oh. So... Um, I did meet with them, and um, basically at that point, I was already like in my late 20s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were impressed with that performance, and then they were like, okay, well, let's let's get this over with, let's get the papers. And I showed them my ID, and they are like, wait a second. Walked out of the room for a few minutes, walked back, and hey, we're not, we can't do this, sorry. Yeah, we're looking for like an 18 or younger, so we can <gasps> kind of groom them and train them. And oh, like no. Home. No, that's okay. So they were ageist against you, and that's why you I was it. I was <laughs> just out aged out. 
Oh, um, no. the, yeah, um, that's fine. Um, actually, I kind of prefer that it didn't happen. Like I said, I'm kind of already like, and plus, um, the Taiwanese music scene and industry back then and nowadays is not kind of my genre. Like they don't really. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of power ballads, ballads. And, right. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to do that anyway. So it turned out to be good, best for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest highlight of the, doing that idol or singing competition? I think it was just the realization or discovery or kind of honing the craft of mm-hmm. um, that the music and the singing and the performance, that the actual craft of the performing arts is only half as important as the story or brand that you present to the mm-hmm. viewers. Mm-hmm. Like you could be the best singer or performer and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if you're not grabbing any attention and no one's listening. Um, and I liken that to basically my lawyer work and I always make this comparison. Like you could be the best singer or a guitar player or whatever, but if you get on stage and you're not wearing something that's eye catching or performing or doing something that catches the additional, everyone's just going to be looking at their phones. Same as if you go to trial and you're standing there, you know, presenting your case. If you got your evidence down, so you've got your logic perfectly hundred percent tight, but you're just this boring drone voice. Like mm-hmm. literally my first trial I thought I had this case down pat and I lost. And thinking back, when I looked over to the jury, I mean, half of them were literally dozing off. (laughs) So I'm like, "Mm." it's a little more of a performing art and kind of like Mm. attention grabbing art than anything else in kind of both areas of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You brought that up because I would have thought the law and singing or entertainment industry be so opposite. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities in that. Yeah, but trial lawing is basically so it's very much half performing art and half kind of what you see like evidence gathering, logic reasoning. Yeah, it's like a blend between those two. Yeah. Have you ever sung or rapped to get their attention? No. <laughs> it's in your back pocket though. I could. <laughs> yeah. I could one day. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about your music. Okay. What genre are you in? Um, so I kind of have two projects going on right now. I'm a solo artist, singer, songwriter, and producer. So for that, I focus on more basically old school 80s funk, like retro R&B soul and funk. For a, my other project, I have a band named The Blemish, which just put out an album. And we, there, (laughs) yay, grab it. It's called Roboganics, really good. Um, that, we kind of try to combine everything we're still very much like old school soul funk jazz based, hmm. but knowing kind of the taste of the people today, we, we kind of can't really stick to that. We have to blend kind of everything together. So for that project, we call ourselves in the genre of good music. Okay. <laughs> in our minds, there's no country, there's no R&B, there's no rock. It's just good or bad. So yeah, we just try to make good music. And if you listen to our latest album, you'll get a taste of what I'm talking about. It's got a little bit of rap. It's got trap. It's got pop. It's got funk. It's got R&B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of everything. And I think that does reflect today's listener because it's really more what you're in the mood for and yeah. we sample all types of songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of reflective of the industry and the listenership today. Um, we're more niche and kind of fragmented. 
Um, it's, it's a good and a bad thing, but we can get into that if you want, but I won't, I won't elaborate for now. <laughs> hey, play us a little bit of your, oh, well, sure. either your solo work. Let's start with your solo work. Sure. Uh, let's see. I will play you my solo work for now. And I have a album named Bedroom Amateur. It's a kind of a, a double entendre because Bedroom Amateur. But also, I was produced the entire album and I recorded the entire album in my little like ten by ten bedroom. Oh, yeah. And here is one song um, called Racha, and it's an ode to sriracha. Oh, my favorite hot sauce. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, let me. Uh, yeah. Turn this on. Oh, oh yeah, maybe that's hot. Okay, so that's a little bit of that song. Um, what are your musical influences and any Taiwanese ones? Yeah, I think I'm like basically at the core influenced by Taiwanese artists because like I said, I was born and raised there until like I was 14 and I grew up listening to Taiwanese stuff. And um, growing up, I listened to um, two people and one of the main guys is Harlem Yu. Yu Chengxing is his name. And nowadays he's kind of more of like a game show and talk show host than a musician but back then he was pumping out jam after jam just like classics um and i really didn't realize this but i always say i'm heavily influenced by earth wind and fire nowadays but i didn't realize until i was thinking about this kind of recently and there was this one song i listened to during my childhood repeatedly and it had the exact same baseline chord progression and song structure as Let's Groove by Earth, Wind & Fire. Mind if I play you like two clips? Yeah, go ahead. Of where I believe he was originally inspired by Earth, Wind & Fire. Mm. And it went to Taiwan in the 70s, influenced me in the 80s. Mm. Then growing up, I'm like, wait, I think I'm influenced by Earth, Wind & Fire. When in fact, it was just a Harlem U song. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just an interesting like way that music goes around. Yeah. So there's here's a song and it's called Rami Mama Nyoisha by Harlan Yu. And I'm just gonna play a little bit of the song and I'm gonna highlight the bass line and the beat structure for you. Right. So we got the bass line, which is right. So that it is so funky. Yeah. For a that, yeah. So that's Harlem U. So now, if you listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire's Let's Groove, which I believe came out somewhere in the seventies, you'll hear the exact same bass line in, 
and beat structure. And then goes almost, almost into the same. So you can see that I was influenced by how you who was influenced by Earthling Fire. And mm -hmm. it goes all in full circle. Oh, one big family. Yeah. And was the Racha song then in that sort of yeah. chord progression? It's all kind of based on the same type of funkiness, um, which mm -hmm. is kind of like really driven by bass and drums. Mm -hmm. It's a solid repetitive bass line. And yeah, it's almost all my songs are in that same vein. Mm. Yeah. And the fun continues. <laughs> it's definitely around. We think it's the past, but um, there's definitely a lot of artists are still doing it. Yeah. Um, the biggest one I can think of right now is Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was the other uh, musician? You mentioned another musician you're influenced by. Yeah. Um, so there's another guy that I listened to growing up, and his name was David Tao. Tao went to his concert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never got to his concert, but yeah, um, that guy, when his first album came out, I was like so kind of spitting. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it for two reasons. Uh, number one, the chords were actually not a little bit, much more complex than your regular all Taiwanese ballads. Um, and you can tell like, this is like a good musician who wrote this. Mm -hmm. And Another thing is his vocal performance. That guy can sing. Yeah. Like, if you listen to his runs, he's all over the place. And back then in Taiwan, like, nobody was doing this. Actually, even nowadays, nobody was doing that. Like, he was riffing all over the place, holding out one note. And yeah. that was kind of like my gateway to the more serious craft of singing. Yeah. Back then, and if you're listening to regular pop song, you make the notes, you sing the notes, and that's it. But there's so much more to being a vocalist, right? And he has some R&B influences, right? Oh yeah, heavily. Yeah. He was all R&B and soul until I think maybe his second album came out. Then he kind of tried to branch out mm. to more pop and rock stuff. But yeah, this that first album was just a soul and R&B like masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh man. Now I just want to go karaoke. Let's go karaoke. We got like. Tian Tian. Yeah. Liu Shai. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Now to Sash. Love that song. I don't know what it is. He just like creates melodies that are so. Um, it's like warming or it's. Just yeah. It's very but it's a negative way. Mm. Okay, so now you're in um, LA as a musician. I guess a little during the day, more at night. <laughs> so what's the most challenging part of being uh, an Asian American musician? Um, or per well, entertainer? The challenging part is, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, like everybody knows this. It's just you're always kind of if you're in acting which i'm not thankfully if you're in acting you're going to be typecast into the kung fu fighter the it nerd 
um, the, the kind of the tourist and that's, that's it. And it's not until recently that we have kind of a little bit of a change going on mm-hmm. in the music world. It's a little bit better, but we still have this thing where, um, people really don't expect, mm-hmm. um, an Asian musician. It kind of could work to your, my advantage as well. But let me tell you this, there's two stories that can kind of illust- illustrate my experience. The first is when I first came out with my um, solo work, I actually did a album full of cover songs yeah. from other artists. And I was trying to pick a name for myself. I'm like, what should my artist name be? And I said, you know what? Why not just be Young Bohan? That's my real name. Let's just do it. So um, being also kind of a savvy marketer and tech guy that I am, I created an A-B test on Facebook uh, ads. As you should, what it's for. Yeah. So... <laughs> A was under my real name, Bohan, Yang, Yang Bohan. Then. Okay. Back to this. Um, so, and um, I ran the same set of ads with the same set of creatives and texts. And then the second one, I had a name kind of anglicized to Bohan. It's a Dutch name, H A A N. And the second ad was like vastly outperforming the first one. And so I'm like, hmm. I guess people are just not into Asian names just yet. Mm-hmm. So, Wait, so the first one was like the pinging version. The pinging version. Yang Bohan. Yang Bohan. Yeah. And then the second one is Anglicized. So I changed, I just dropped the Yang altogether. Yeah. And I made this, my Han, yeah. um, two A's. So that's uh, the, like whole Han, the design. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So that, people responded to that a lot. So mm. now I know. So I changed, that's why I changed my name to Bohan. Um, the second story is back in the early or the mid two thousands, I actually had a meeting with an ANR folk, an ANR executive actually here in LA in Santa Monica. And I'm not gonna say who it is because I actually like the guy. Mm-hmm. He means well. He helped me a lot with the advice. But I remember just going to the meeting, and he's like, you know, I I heard you live. I was very interested um, in kind of hearing your story and see where we can go from there. And we talked for a little while and he just offered me this, he, his eyes kind of widen and he said, you know what, what would be really good for you is if you, do you do K-pop? You should go to Korea and China. I'm like, oh. like first of all, I don't speak Korean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of like where we are as Asian, pure Asian artists. But nowadays the industry has changed so that you don't really rely on big records anymore yes everyone's kind of doing it themselves like you gotta have a youtube channel you gotta have soundcloud you gotta just put it out yourself mm-hmm. so that's i think helped a lot right so you don't need to go the traditional route you mm-hmm. can reinvent yourself yeah reinvent yourself. yourself and market yourself yeah and be your own record label mm-hmm. so what's the upside of being an asian american performer the upside i think is you turn heads um mm-hmm. so I don't do this much anymore, but quite a long time ago, I was more like a enjoy attention. Like I wanted to turn heads as like a performer. And so I used to do this. I used to go to like labor park, which is like a black neighborhood. And mm-hmm. they would have these kind of open mics, if you will, where everyone just kind of gets up and sings. And usually I would just be the only one Asian person. Mm-hmm. And then 
Um, just be like, hey, come up and do a song. And I would do a song. And then everyone would be like, oh, damn, boy, look at that Asian boy can sing. Who's this? <laughs> and just that fact, like even if I'm only doing like an okay job, like a B grade job, the fact that I'm an Asian face like, really helps because it's like, oh my God, look at that. It's so good. I think because people just automatically assume that like an IT nerd can't sing. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so the bar is lower in some ways, but in then you can ways. exceed that bar. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any advice for um, someone who wants to get into this industry, especially, I guess, an Asian or a visible minority? Okay, so how long do I have? Two days? Because I can rest for like 10 <laughs> <Two> hours. Minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Okay. Well, there are two things. Um, number one, if you want to be, if you want to make it in the music industry, you got to make sure that your craft is good, right? So if you're a singer or if you're a rapper, make sure that you can sing, you can rap, you can write, you can produce. But having said that, with the way the industry is nowadays, that is almost like an afterthought that you should kind of just shore up after the fact. Um, and what's more important nowadays, I would say, is like your me social media presence. Make sure, and it's going back to my my little thesis about grabbing attention. Make sure your you're brand. doing things, not even your music, just whatever. If you if it, if you got a TikTok channel, if you got a YouTube channel, just make, do do things that grab attention, mm -hmm. and then after that. Maybe you can bring out the music and be like, hey, I also sing. Um, That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's sad, but it is what it is. Um, the music is just really bad, in my opinion. Um, you can debate me about this all day, but Drake, for example, has the number one through 11th <laughs> singles right now on Billboard. Drake's my favorite. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to school you right now, Drake. <laughs> Let me actually play you something by Drake. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so we have his newest number one charting single. I don't really know what that is right now. It's it's called Way Too Sexy. Do you remember that 90s song? Um, too sexy for your shirt. Too sexy. No. He remembers. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like a redo of that song, except the worst. Um, and I'll tell you why. I'll play you a little bit. Because the 90s was the best. It was okay. <laughs> but it's definitely better than now. So the entire song has one chord on you. And the bass is one of the that's the entire song and he just says i'm too sexy for you whatever and yeah. it's just not very good. Sorry. Let me play a Man, song. It's we not have. his best work. It's definitely <laughs> just not musically good. Um, and I'll play you with just like oh, a song that that Blemish has, and it's called California. And just as a form of comparison, we have a whole horn section. We had a whole horn section of this. Surprise, let's go. 
Yes, it's an objectively better song. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But, uh, I mean, I like to make this comparison between music and food. I would say Drake is like, since everyone's Taiwanese here, it's a plain bowl of white rice. It's one note. There's nothing to it. There's no seasoning. There's not even soy sauce. I mean, you could just have that every day if you want. Or you can have a 10-course meal with a little bit of influence from all over the world with all the spices, the meats, the veggies, and whatnot. Like, why not have that? Uh, but if you want to eat white rice or just a bowl of potatoes every day, then I can't stop you, I guess. <laughs> it's just a really well-branded, well-known yes. bowl of rice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not even real fun. It's just rice. Just most, most of the was just buy fun. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Drake. I still love you. <laughs> sorry. He'll never hear this. It's fine. But <laughs> um, so I guess wrapping it all up, even though you chose to remain abroad, um, how has doing this work connected you to Taiwan or maybe strengthened your Taiwanese identity? Um, so funny thing, the fact that this interview is happening is one of the, one of the sure. examples of how it's connected me back to Taiwan. But um, when I first put out my music, um, as a solo artist and because it's all really funk based the funny thing is I was marketing it um, towards like North America Europe mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's English language music um, and maybe Western people would be into funk and solo and R&B more but the funny thing was when I was getting back the results and the streams and the hits and whatnot on my um, kind of manage, manager accounts I'm seeing it it's all from Taiwan and mm-hmm. specifically for some reason Taichung yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "What is going on?" So apparently, there are these dance studios that teach hip hop oh. and like um, popping and locking. Uh huh. And for some reason, they just stumbled on my music, and from there, it kind of spread um, to Korea and Singapore. Mm-hmm. And I see that mm-hmm. I open up my Instagram. Sometimes I would just go, oh, somebody tagged you in a thing. And it was just like, it would just be my song playing in somebody's dance class. And it just happens like once a week. And, and it's really nice to be like, hey, it's connecting me back to Taiwan. And I, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Taiwanese. And they'd be like, what? Oh, they don't even they know don't that. Even know. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just serendipitous. Yeah. How does that make you feel? That we are all one. Now, seriously, um, back to our, if you go back to our little, Original question about Harlem U being influenced by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right. Now I'm doing funk music influenced by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and it's going back <laughs> to like some dance studios in Taichung. It's like just this one big circle that I never imagined would happen, but it's, it's happened. You can support Bo by streaming his solo music or check out the latest album, Robo Organic, by his band, The Blemish. Thank you for listening. Taiwan Jayo.